verse 18. That's okay. Thank you, Jesus. By clapping, we're just simply agreeing, and that's good. Amen. Matthew 18 says, Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, verse 19 goes on to say that if two of you shall agree. Everyone say agree. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, in agreement, in other words, there am I in the midst of them. When we agree with him, he is in agreement with us. And there is great power in agreement. I'm going to read these two verses in the Amplified Version. Again, I say unto you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind, are in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. There is power in agreement today. And I know it's Mother's Day and we celebrate mothers. But this is the sermon I felt for our church today. There is power in agreement. Amen. One more time, let's just ask the Lord to minister to our hearts and our minds today. Lord, we're thankful for all you've already begun to do in us today. In our, touching our hearts and our minds, our spirits our whole being, Lord, and I just pray that for the rest of this service that you'll continue to bring understanding to us. you continue to move in, amongst our hearts and continue to minister to us. We want to gladly receive your word today. We want to receive it by faith today. We don't want to receive it like it's for somebody else, but we want to receive it like it's to us. We want to receive it for ourselves. And agree with it today so that we can be blessed by it. We can be blessed by you, Jesus. Help us to find the peace that's found in agreement, to find the power, the joy, the love that's in agreement today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated if you would like. Amen. Thank you for standing and agreeing. With the word of the Lord. The word agree from the verses we read is from the Greek verb which is sumphoneo. Sumphoneo. Which means to sound together. To be in accord. To harmonize with musical instruments. And as some of you have probably already guessed we get the word symphony. From the Greek word symphoneo. If you've ever been to a symphony, you can appreciate the importance of agreement. At the beginning of the symphony, the orchestra is warming up and everyone is playing their own 
instrument without considering others. The noise is atrocious. That is not what you purchased your ticket to hear. Everybody's on their own notes. Everybody's warming up with their own instrument. And it is not pleasant to listen to. But the moment the conductor lifts the baton, the racket stops. And if it's a good orchestra and a disciplined orchestra, all eyes are upon him or her. And then with a gentle wave of the baton, the orchestra begins to play heavenly, harmonious music. What makes a difference? The orchestra is finally in one accord. No one's on their own. And when they all do their part, the music is lovely. On their own, the music doesn't amount to much. But together, the sound is breathtaking because there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. The, the first area we need to be in agreement with in our lives is being in agreement with God. Amen. We need to be in agreement with God. That's where it all starts. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? We talk a lot about walking in the Spirit as we should in this church. The only way we can walk with God is to agree with Him. Agreeing with God and walking with God go hand in hand. Walking with God means being in harmony with Him and His Word. Two people can't walk together unless they are in agreement. If they're not walking in harmony, they're, going, they're not going the same direction. Their goals are different. Friction grows and communication deteriorates. The only way to live an overcoming life is to walk in harmony with the Lord, knowing that we cannot change ourselves. But as we obey and trust Him and agree with Him, He changes us. That should be encouraging to us today. We don't have to change ourselves. Everybody say, I don't have to change myself. And if your spouse is here, you don't have to change them either. It's not your job. It's the Lord's job to change them. We can't change ourselves. We can't change others. But as we agree with God and His Word, He changes us. I recently got an audiobook from the library. It's called Your Words Hold a Miracle. And if I may say something quickly to mothers here, it is for fathers as well. But your words over your children have a profound effect on their development. What you speak over them often becomes prophetic. If you tell them they are pathetic, you tell them they're losers, you tell them they'll never amount to anything. Don't be surprised if they grow up and that happens. You got to start believing in them. And you got to speak those words of belief so they can start believing it. Because if you believe in them, they'll believe in themselves. Amen. So we have to know that our words hold a miracle. 
And he has this, it's written by John Osteen, which you've heard the Osteen name, but this isn't, I'm not just mispronouncing Joel. <laughs> it is John, the father of Joel. And the father had a very strong, spirit-filled ministry. So after 19 years of, of his Christian walk, he said he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God came alive as never before. That the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed everything for him. And he began to understand that his words and his agreement with the word of God caused direction in his life. And he gives the ABCs of faith in this book. The ABCs of faith. A being agree with the word of God. Some people make faith a mystical thing, he said. They're always looking for faith. They're searching as if it's some intangible thing but faith comes by agreeing with the word of God that's already been established if Jesus came up to us in the flesh thank you if Jesus came to us in the flesh today and we understood it was Jesus and he told us something we would jump up and down we would rejoice and we would run and we would say Jesus has told me this but sometimes when we hear the words of God in the Bible, we treat it differently. But what is Jesus? He was the word become flesh. So if you read the Bible, it's the same as listening to the words of Jesus. Agree with the word. Be is simply believe the word of God. Once you begin to learn to just agree with it, you begin to believe it. And when you believe it, it will affect your praise. If you're not praising God, you're not believing God. By praising God, you're expressing your belief in God. Your plans also indicate your belief in God. If you only plan for the things you think can happen and you don't have any faith in your plans, you don't really believe what God has promised you. Your plans will indicate your level of faith. That's why as a church, we are constantly planning for greater things. Because we know that God wants to do great things in us. And we're going to plan accordingly. We're not going to plan to stay this size forever. We're going to plan to grow and grow and grow. And you also express your belief in God by your participation. When you participate with the plans of God and you participate with the body of Christ and you participate in prayer and reading your Bible, you're expressing you believe in God. And finally, C is to confess the word of God with your mouth. When you agree with his word and you believe in his word, you must begin to confess his word. It's not enough to just believe in your heart. That's good. But the words of our mouth indicate what's really in our heart. Well, I don't believe that in my heart, but I, you've been talking about something totally different. You're saying you believe in your heart. That's not possible. If you really believe it in your heart, it'll come out in your words. That's why we ask God to change our heart. And we make the choice to confess words of faith. So agreeing with God's word, believe in God's word and confess God's word. It's all important 
to us agreeing with God. There's many things in our society where people are struggling against God's purpose and design. And there, these are hot button issues in our society. Many things we could go into discussion about today. Uh, expressions of sexuality and gender and all these things where people are struggling to find their purpose and their identity. And it, they would find a lot of peace if they would simply stop and agree with their creator. Amen. Just agree with your creator. I'm going to quit trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be and ask Him what I'm supposed to be. There's a lot of peace that comes in that. When you just learn to agree with God's Word. That doesn't mean it's easy. I I have trouble agreeing with God's Word on a daily basis. But we have to strive to agree with His Word. Forsake our understanding. And if society says something that's agreeing with God's words, we want to celebrate it with them. It's not that we're against society. It's not that we're against anybody. But if someone is contrary to God's word, we can't celebrate with them. We pray for them. We love them. But we can't celebrate sin. Because we want to be in agreement with God. Because peace and love and joy and contentment come from agreement with God. It doesn't matter what kind of face people put on. It doesn't matter how big they make the party. At the end of the day, if they're not in agreement with God, they're not feeling the level of peace or love or joy that they could have in agreement with Him. They may think so because they've never felt it with God. But if they would agree with God, they would find more love, more joy, and more peace. A couple practical ways to agree with God. He says in the book, there's a time in my life when I did something wrong. I felt so bad I would go for days under a cloud of condemnation. I didn't feel worthy to preach or to pray. Finally, after days of feeling condemned, I would finally accept my forgiveness. But I didn't have to wait and neither do you. When you make a mistake, you sin. You say, Father, I am guilty. I've sinned against your word. I have done something contrary to your word. But your word also says, if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I agree with that scripture. I agree with that scripture despite what I'm feeling. I've confessed my sins. You've kept your end of the bargain. Therefore, no matter what I've done, I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus from all unrighteousness. I will not be under a cloud of condemnation about it. I agree with what your word says. I am cleansed. I am cleansed. Agree with God that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Agree with 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ. My past is forgiven. I'm a child of God. I agree with the Bible. I thank God I'm a new creature. One more is I agree with God that I am delivered from the power of darkness. I agree with Colossians 1.13 that says He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son, of His love. 
No matter how it looks or how I feel or what the enemy accuses me of, I declare I've been delivered from the power and the authority of the kingdom of darkness. I agree with God. He says, I am delivered from Satan's power and I agree with him. And he says that will put the enemy on tranquilizers. Because we are agreeing with God. On Thursday we had a lesson about Mephibosheth and his life and how when he came to the king, to King David, King David wanted nothing but to bless him. And he approached David and said, I am a dead dog. Which meant something, basically a horrible insult as it would today, it did then. His opinion of himself was that he was a dead dog. But he was precious in David's sight. We have to be careful that we don't succumb to the years of defeat and failure and mistakes we've made and we don't let those things identify who we are. That's why, again, I'm not trying to make any enemies or I think everything is good about it, but recovery's been on my heart lately and, and I believe it's going to be a big part of our church in the future, ministering to people we call in recovery. But I don't want people to have to sit down at the beginning of every meeting and say, I am a drug addict. I am an alcoholic. I am whatever. You're not. You're not. You're not. That may be who you used to be. We may have weaknesses in those areas. But that's not who we identify as. We've been washed. We've been made righteous by Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't have to identify that way anymore. It can be part of our testimony. We can rejoice in the Lord delivering us. But we don't identify that way. Because we are children of God. And His Word doesn't label us as those things if we are under the blood. He sees us as washed, as clean. I guess you can tell people how long you've been clean. That's okay. But how long you've been clean by the blood of Jesus? That's the most important. Amen? Amen? And the beauty of that is you don't have to start over. You have two years clean and then you make a mistake and you have to start re-quoting it. Nope. Not in Jesus. I'm clean. Amen. There's no record of wrongs. There's no timeline to go back to. I'm clean today and that's all that matters. Again, I don't say any of those things. I appreciate the efforts of all the programs that help people overcome. But we need to agree with the word of God. Not man's understanding. John 15. Tells us how to live in agreement with the Lord. We'll read a few verses and I have to move quickly. This may turn into more than one sermon or just have to cut it off here in a few minutes. But John 15 shows us how to live in agreement and it illustrates agreement by a vine and its branches. John 15 one says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch 
that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Again, it's about agreement. If, if a branch is not producing fruit, there's somewhere there's, the agreement has been interrupted. There's no longer agreement. There's not a flow back and forth. Verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. Let's be in agreement continually. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. You're not going to see the fruit of your life that you want unless you abide in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Why is that? Because whatever we ask is going to be according to the will of God. If we're abiding in him, our words are his words. So we don't have to worry about that. Because the times where our prayers aren't answered... Sometimes it's because we're asking amiss, James says. We're asking according to our desires and not His. At one point, Peter said, Lord, you're not going to be crucified. And the Lord responded and said, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Not because he was calling Peter Satan, but because Peter's agenda was in line with the devil's at that point. He was in agreement with the devil. Well, that doesn't make sense. He was just saying Jesus shouldn't die. Well, Jesus had to die. That the will of God would be fulfilled. So our human reasoning has to be set aside. And we have to come into agreement with Him. If our prayers aren't being answered, let's make sure we're in agreement with Him. And if we are, just keep praying and believing. If we're not, change your prayer. Bring it into agreement. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so, you, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. Stay in agreement with my love. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Be in agreement with my commandments. Because you can't be in agreement with Him without His commandments. Elsewhere, the Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you. Why? So that I can control you and manipulate you and be some kind of uh, God up in heaven who makes everybody do everything I want them to do like a bunch of robots. And it's a cool game of Sims for me. Some of you probably don't even know Sims. I just thought it came out of my mouth. Sims was a computer game where you get to control the lives of people and Google it. You don't know what Sims is. But that's not why the Lord did it. That's not why He spoke these things to us. He's saying, be in agreement with me that my joy might remain in you. And in my, when my joy is in you, your joy will be full. And that your joy might be full isn't a question of doubt. It's just the way the language is written. Your joy will be full. He's saying, if you do this, my joy remains in you. Your joy will be full. Is a way for us to to read it better than the King James Version. Your joy will be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
When we are living in agreement with Jesus, we'll speak the same thing. We'll express the same love. We'll be an example of Him everywhere we go. We'll take on His heart, His nature, and His desires. And when we are in agreement with Him, He can trust us with His kingdom. He can give us the power of the kingdom. The greatest power, of course, being love. But this will lead to being able to see people healed, delivered, saved, and infused with hope. Because there's power in agreement. There's power in agreement. When you plug some in the wall, you're connecting it. You're making agreement happen. That's why you can run the vacuum after you plug it in. Because you've made agreement between the vacuum and the source of power. And when someone trips over and unplugs it, and it shuts off, and you look at the button and it's still on, and you wonder why? Because someone kicked it out of the wall. It lost agreement. So when we pray, when we read the Bible, when we say, even though our emotions or our mind or whatever is contrary, when we say, Lord, I agree with your word, we're connecting to a power source that's greater than us. We are plugging in to the power of God. And when we are in agreement with God, we will be in agreement with our families. Because again, if we're in agreement with the conductor and we're following him, then we will all be playing in harmony. And I'm not going to go through it because of the sake of time, but Ephesians 5, verses 19 through Ephesians 6, verse 4, if you go through and read those, Ephesians 5, the last part of that chapter and beginning of Ephesians 6, we won't read it, but it lays out an order and a structure for families, for the God-designed family. And if situations and circumstances in our life have, have made it where we're not in that exact order right now, God's redemptive power can touch us where we are. I understand that, and I don't want to discount that. But in the family, with parents and with children and with spouses, there is a God-ordained harmony that is to take place. And when we follow God's design, it makes the family work. And again, I'm not going to go into details because of time, but there is a structure that society is coming against. It's trying to destroy the structure God instituted, not knowingly, most people. Most people are ignorant, just like Peter, that they are of Satan's agenda. I'm not saying they all know what they're doing, but they're undermining the plan of God Because they're operating under the deception of the enemy. Because they're not submitted to God. Therefore they're doing the works of the enemy. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And but for the grace of God, I would be doing the same thing. Our society's put so much emphasis on individual rights. That people think submission is a sign of weakness. It's not. Submitting yourself to your family members, to your spouses, to your children, and children submitting yourself to your parents, that is not weakness. That's love. That's getting beyond my selfish desires. 
And I'm not saying submit to something contrary to God's word. I'm not saying submit to abuse or something harmful. I'm not saying that before you run out the doors and think, well, you say not to submit. No, I'm not. But if it's not contrary to the word of God, try just giving in every once in a while. And watch the peace that follows. When everybody involved fights for their own way, it's chaos. But when everybody submits to each other, it becomes peace. It's not a bad thing to be an agreeable person. You know what? The word agreeable is defined as someone that is enjoyable and pleasurable, someone that is pleasant. Someone that's willing to agree to something. That's the definition of the dictionary. Someone that's agreeable is enjoyable and pleasant. Why do we act like someone who's agreeable is weak? Why do we say that person is taking, being taken advantage of? Being agreeable is ordained of God. Romans twelve eighteen. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, because sometimes, face it, you cannot live at peace with some people because they will not let it happen. But as much as lies within you, don't use it as a cop-out. But as much as I can control, I'm going to try to be at peace with all men. All men. That's... The will of God. And Hebrews 12.14. Hebrews 12.14 encourages us to follow peace with all men. And holiness, which is the character of God. And the reason for every commandment is that so we're in agreement with God. And we're in agreement with others. Love God and love your neighbor. Upon these two commandments, everything else hangs. So it's all about agreement. Without which no man shall see the Lord. And we sometimes hear that verse taught and it may very well apply and it may be even more correct than what I'm about to present. But we say, if you don't live a lifestyle of holiness and you don't try to live peaceful with men, you're not going to see the Lord. Then you're not going to make it to heaven. That, that might be correct. That might be the exact intent of the scripture. But another way to look at it is, if you don't live at peace with other people, you don't live a holy lifestyle. Nobody's going to see the Lord in your life. If you don't live that lifestyle, nobody's going to see the Lord in you. But if we follow peace and we live a lifestyle of holiness, people see the Lord in us because we are expressing His character. We are showing His image to the world. So when you read through Ephesians 5 and 6, you find there's a God-ordained structure to live in harmony. And this is something that God has designed. And no matter what the Supreme Court says, or anybody else, it doesn't change what's most effective. Because the Supreme Court, maybe the Supreme Court of the United States of America's government, but there is no more supreme judge than Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And I was thinking today about an example, and I'm not asking you to follow this example. I preface that. But the, an example of harmony, just like there was an example of harmony in the Bible in Genesis 11, where they made up their mind they were going to build a tower all the way to heaven, and God had to stop them because they were so united they would accomplish it. There was, there's a high-profile political family. We'll just say it that way. Their problems have been very public. The husband served as president and during his presidency there was very public accusations, if they were true, of infidelity. Yet they are still together. Why? In my opinion, one of the major reasons, if not the most important reason, they are still a family or a husband and wife is because they have a common Passion, a strong agreement for politics. They are willing to stay together so they could be involved with politics. So if a family, if agreement can be that powerful to hold a husband and wife where there's been all kinds of mess, crazy mess in their life, that's been broadcast all over the world, literally. I mean, can you imagine if your marriage problems, we don't even like to tell a brother or sister in the Lord. We don't even want the pastor to find out we're fighting or struggling. Can you imagine it being on CNN? Guess what so-and-so was fighting like today? Can you imagine it being broadcast all over the world? What kind of problems that would cause? But their marriage has survived because they're in agreement about something. They're in agreement. And when we agree together, a family decides that Jesus Christ is our foundation and the word of God is what we will be bound together by. Nothing can separate it. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When we let the threefold cord be Jesus Christ, and bind us together, we cannot be separated. When we're in agreement with Him, two people in agreement with Jesus will automatically be in agreement with each other. Does that mean we're always going to be the same? No, I'm coming toward a close, but there was a meeting of the American Psychological Association and Jack Lipton, a psychologist at Union College, and Scott Buline, I'm going to have a quiz on their names later, so you're paying attention. A graduate student at Columbia University, they presented their findings on how members of the various sections of 11 major symphony orchestras perceived each other. Okay, these men got together and they interviewed symphony members to find out how one group or section of instruments viewed other sections of instruments. Because remember, these guys, they get along. They play beautiful music together. Does that mean they uh, are exactly the same? No. So here's what they had to say. The percussionists were viewed as insensitive, unintelligent, and hard of hearing. Yet fun-loving. They got one bone. <laughs> they threw him one bone. They're fun-loving. They're insensitive, they're unintelligent, hard of hearing, but fun-loving. 
String players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and I don't know where this comes from, unathletic. That's their findings, not mine. I don't know how playing a string instrument makes you unathletic. But that's how they, the other groups describe them. The orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as a primary adjective to describe the brass players. Woodwind players seem to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. Interesting findings, to say the least. With such widely divergent personalities and perceptions, how could an orchestra ever come together to make such wonderful music? The answer is simple. Regardless of how those musicians view each other, they subordinate their feelings and biases to the leadership of the conductor. Under his guidance, they play beautiful music. They set aside their preconceived ideas. They set aside their bias and their prejudice, and they follow the baton of the master. And that's a vision, a vision of the body of Christ. We're from different backgrounds. We're certainly different personalities. We have different gifts, different callings. Some of us really rub each other the wrong way. And we would have some interesting adjectives to describe each other. But we submit to the direction of the master. And in doing so, the church plays beautiful music to the Lord. A few verses to close. Exodus 24, 3. Moses came and recounted to all the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. Exodus 24, 3. He came and he told the people what the word of God said, basically. All the people answered with one voice and said. This would be like all of you right now. Repeating this. All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. That's what harmony is. It's one voice. All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. Nehemiah 8.6 Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. So when you're in this church and you hear people say, Amen, right in the middle of a sermon, they're not out of order. They're agreeing with what's said. Right? Amen. Amen. And I amen myself a lot because I'm trying to give you a chance to agree. And I'm agreeing with myself. Amen. And when you argue with your spouse, say amen. That's just a joke. I don't want anybody to come to me and say, my spouse won't quit saying amen when they're arguing with me. Just a joke. Just a joke. They all said amen. They lifted up their hands. They bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Ephesians 4.3 tells us we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's why we have unity as a church. Because we have unity in the Spirit. And we are all to submit ourselves to God's Word. As much as possible, we leave our opinions at the door. And we follow Christ. We follow Him. And I wish I had a little more time to share some of the more 
these last few points that I have, but thank you for turning down the spotlight. It makes it much easier. But if we could stand today, Ephesians 4.16. Ephesians 4.16 gives us a, a picture of the unity in the body of Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every joint supplies. Every part of the body supplies. And this word supplies comes from two words. The word upon and the word choreograph. It means one who fully furnishes a choir or a dance team. And this is drawn from the theater in the Greek world. is very important. And this word also meant the benefactor, the one who took care of the stage, the arranging of the stage, taught the members where to move and how to move. But beyond just telling pieces where to go and what to do, as the Lord does, arranges things perfectly, there's also a role of this benefactor in the Greco-Roman world where he supplied all the finances, food, costuming, and salaries for the production. So that when we get a picture of what this really means, as the body of Christ works together, we allow the Lord to choreograph our movements, to place us where we need to go, to do what we need to do, to interact with each other as we need to interact. But He doesn't just give us direction But He supplies all the finances. He supplies the food. He supplies the costuming. The way we present ourselves to the world. And He provides the salary for the production. As we work in harmony with Jesus Christ. As we come in agreement with Jesus Christ. Our church will be a place of love, of peace, and of joy. And not just our churches. I want it to begin in our homes because that's very, very important because we spend more time at home than we do at church. God wants us to have harmony in our home, harmony in our relationships. Yes, even at work and elsewhere. God wants us to be in harmony. And all begins with agreeing with Him. So as we close today, we're going to just spend a a moment in prayer. and We're going to have a meal together. But as as we pray together, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to agree with God's Word. Just start there. That's the most fundamental place for us to start living in agreement with God and with others. It doesn't start with others. It starts with God. So as we just take a moment to pray, I'm just going to ask you if you're willing, if you want to be in agreement, that you would pray and just ask the Lord to give you direction in your life. And just, Lord, we ask today that as you tell us what to do and where to go and how to live, we want to agree with it. When it doesn't make sense, 
we still want to agree because we know that your ways are above our ways. We know that your ways are perfect. So if we see it in your word, we want to agree with it. And obviously to do that, we need to be reading your word each day. Whether we're listening to it on an audio Bible driving down the street or we're sitting with the Bible in our hands with it open and reading it. Help us as we read it to agree with it. Not to contend with it, not to fight with it, not to question it, but agree with it. If we don't know what it says, yes, seek it out. Seek to understand. But once we find understanding, let us agree and walk in that agreement. Help us to declare your word above all of our emotions, above all the circumstances we face. Instead of agreeing with our circumstances, instead of agreeing with our opinions and our understanding, help us to agree with your word. So that when we find a situation that's difficult in our lives, rather than trying to solve all of our problems ourselves, we'll pick up the Bible and we'll say, what does the Bible say about this? And we'll begin to quote it and we'll begin to agree with what your word says. Amen. Today, the Bible says, God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to a place of repentance. And by repentance, fully surrendering Him, being born again of water and spirit, walking a victorious life and being with Him in heaven for all of eternity. That's where that, what that means. So today, if you wonder, does God love me? Does God want to save me? Does God have something for my life? The answer is absolutely yes. Not my opinion, but His Word. And I agree with His Word today. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to have abundant life. God wants you to be healed, delivered, and set free. That's what God's Word says. That's what His Word says. So we need to agree with that Word today. His word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are special. You are precious. You are beautiful in his sight. Amen. His word says come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy. Amen. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. He loves you today. I don't say that because it's my opinion. I say that because it's his word. I'm agreeing with His Word. He loves you. He loves you. And if there's sin in your life, we don't repent just to, just to save ourselves. We're repenting to come in agreement with Him to a better life. To a better life. To a better life. If God says no, it's because He has better. It's because He has better. If we don't repent, we'll die in sin. But if we'll come in agreement with His Word, and we'll turn from our wicked ways. We'll humble ourselves and pray. He'll forgive us. He'll cleanse us. He'll receive us. He'll fill us with His Spirit. He'll save us from our sin. Amen. God loves you today. He loves you more than you would ever know. More than you could ever understand. Amen. Let's just take a moment to receive His love today. If you're able to just lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive your truth today. 